from understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till. She makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Haq. Happy holidays, my wonderful listeners. This is For What It's Worth. I'm your host, Rabina Ahmed Haq. Thank you for taking some time and listening to me on your busy holiday weekend. I know out of all the weekends in the year, this is probably the hardest sell to listen to a personal finance show. So if you're tuning in, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Even if you're doing it while you're running in and out of the mall or in and out of functions, family functions that you have to attend. I know I've got a packed weekend uh, going to see my brother. We've got some friends coming over tomorrow. Of course, the big family thing on Christmas Day. Uh, lots of stuff going on. Uh, definitely no lack of excitement over the next few days. And it really does uh, warm my heart heart that you take some time out and listen to my program. Uh, There is news to report from this week, despite the fact that all we are thinking about is the holidays and the spending that goes into the holidays. Uh, We got the latest inflation data from Statistics Canada, and that data shows that inflation did not change from October to November. It remains steady at 3.1%. Now, economists were expecting that inflation would fall below 3%, um, and it didn't. So that could be a signal for the Bank of Canada as to what they will do with interest rates in the new year. Possibly not a rate hike. I don't think that it would signal them to them that inflation's out of control. But maybe if a cut was coming, they might push that down the road. Now, the reason inflation is remaining the same, uh, it's sort of a balance of two things that are happening. One is the cost of mortgages has skyrocketed. And I don't use that term lightly. Uh, year over year, the cost for us on average to uh, to manage our debt obligations has gone up 29%. Rent is also higher, uh, close to 7.5%. Uh, the only reason we're seeing inflation dampen down is because grocery prices have actually come down. So there is some good news in this inflation data that shows that uh, our day-to-day costs are getting more manageable. So we may not all have a mortgage. We may not all have a variable rate mortgage. So this may be, you know, those numbers may not really impact you, but all of us have to eat. And all of us usually go to the grocery store at least a couple times a week. I go to the grocery store, I think probably almost every other day, if not every day. I live very close to one. I pop in there, you know, sometimes my kids in the morning, I'll ask them, what do you want to have today? I want salmon. I'll just go buy a piece of salmon, make that. I'm very much that kind of household. I'm not really a buy and, and stock up. I stock up when it's on sale, but I don't have a lot of Uh, extra food in the house, which sometimes my kids get really annoyed with me. They're like, we never have extra snacks. We we sort of live in a 72-hour cycle, which for me works because I don't like waste, uh, but for others, it may not be possible. I'm also very privileged to live close to a grocery store and also have the time, right? A lot of a lot of families don't have the time to to do that kind of daily sort of thinking about what meals are going to look like. So inflation data out shows us that uh, inflation has remained steady uh, from October to November. We'll get December numbers in January, and they will actually come out ahead of the interest rate announcement, which is at the end of January. So the Bank of Canada will have another opportunity to take a look at what inflation is doing before they make their announcement in January. And then we also get uh, more of a deeper dive into what they're expecting from the uh, economy, from their monetary policy report. And uh, that is going to give us a really good indication of where they think uh, 2024 is headed. 
and also maybe some clues uh, uh, as to whether we may see a rate hike. Now, some economists are expecting that we could see a mild recession towards the end of the year. Uh, recession would be good for interest rates because uh, usually when there's a recession, the Bank of Canada cuts rates in order to stimulate the economy. So that may actually be a reprieve for many of us who have been paying higher mortgage payments. Um, there's also some concern as we go into 2024 that mortgage payments are going to be um, unmanageable for many Canadian families, especially those renewing their mortgage in the new year and renewing in a much higher interest rate environment. And so uh, they will have higher payments and there is concern that many Canadian families may not be able to make those payments and they may default or they may sell their home. And that could, of course, bring price home prices down dramatically because when you sell your home in an emergency or in haste, as I often like to call it, uh, you usually settle for a lower price. So uh, that is all remaining to be seen in 2024. But I think those are really solid predictions for the new year uh, that we should keep our eyes on inflation, interest rate, housing market housing prices, real estate in general, uh, you know, pretty much a continuation of 2023, maybe even 2022, uh, but with a little bit of normalization. I think this is the year where we, we get back to normal. Uh, another way we're getting back to normal is our work life. Uh, you know, throughout the pandemic, we kept talking about the new normal that's coming. Uh, we're here now. We're in the new normal. And 2024 is probably the first year uh, where there's no threat of shutdowns or lockdowns or um, government restrictions on where we can and cannot go. Uh, so this will be the first year where we really start to see what will work look like in the future. And uh, there is a lot of focus on hybrid, a lot of focus on remote, but what will that realistically look like? Um, you know, we can't all work from our kitchen tables forever. Uh, I don't I don't think that's good for, for community. It's not good for company culture. It's not good for our career growth. But how can you still take advantage of the fact that companies are open to hybrid, open to flexibility, uh, but still be part of that company's uh, uh, community companies culture. We will be speaking to Wayne Berger. He's the CEO of IWG. It's a co-working space. Uh, and he will talk to us a little bit about some uh, research they did into what 2024 will look like, not only when it comes to hybrid work and people using co-working spaces, but also work in general, the way that we are going to build company culture uh, in the future. And also Gen Z, this uh, new generation that is really changing the game when it comes to how they see work and what they prioritize when it comes to work. As well, your Christmas dinner is costing you more this year than it has in previous years. Uh, food prices have come down, but if you look at year-over-year -year prices, we're still paying quite a bit more. Average costs for a turkey dinner for up to six people, $105. That excludes all the booze, all the alcohol, all the wine, excludes all the appetizers, excludes everything except for the turkey and the trimmings. So if you do anything beyond that, you're going to be spending more money. We will be talking after the break to a expert on how to cut down on uh, your food costs this holiday season, but still keep it festive. She's got a wonderful blog called That Girl on Bloor, where she helps Canadians find great prices at grocery stores, meal prep, and do things on a budget and quickly. Uh, we have a great show coming up. Thank you for joining us this holiday weekend. I'm Rabina Ahmed-Huck. This is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed-Hawk. The holidays are in full swing and many of us are 
planning our big family meals, but higher grocery prices could make your traditional dinner more expensive this year. To share her tips on how to save on holiday meals without cutting back on the cheer, we're joined by Taylor Stinson. She runs the blog, That Girl on Bloor. Her focus is to help Canadians make quick meals on a budget. Hi, Taylor. Hi, Rabina. Thanks for having me. So, Taylor, Christmas is an expensive time of year no matter when uh, we celebrate. But this year, especially with food prices so high, a lot of families really struggling to get that fabulous meal on the table. Uh, what can we do this year from your perspective to cut back on some of those food costs that we normally uh, have to pay for uh, during the holidays? Well, there are a lot of great options, actually, in ways that you can get creative. One of the number one things that I like to do is get a points card at a few different grocery stores. Right now I have them at two. I have the uh, PC points and I also have a Longos card, but you can get them at many different grocery stores. Sobeys has one, Metro I believe has one. So, um, you know, the scene points. So you'll want to save your points um, throughout the year at as many grocery stores as you can. It's obviously helpful to plan ahead, but you can... Uh, use as many as you have currently and save them for your holiday dinner. So that's one of my favorite ways to save. Uh, oftentimes I've come away with spending only $5 at the end of the day. So that's a great little hack, uh, but it does require some planning ahead. So things that you can do now, you can look at what is on sale and in season and build your menu around those items. So pomegranate's really cheap right now cruciferous vegetables, for instance, and whatever other sales your local grocery store has. And many stores are trying to keep the holidays in mind. So you'll even start seeing things like turkey on sale. So um, shopping the flyers, many of them are online these days. That's a great little hack. Uh, but what I always advise people coming to my website and reading my blog, which is focused on meal prep, is to shop your kitchen first. So this is a great way to reduce your food waste because you're looking at what's in your fridge and freezer. Often we forget what we have stored in there and then we, you know, pull it out months later and there's all kinds of stuff we're throwing out, little odds and ends, whether it's frozen rice or vegetables or a meal that you've forgotten about, there's always a way to repurpose that and your pantry too, right? There's so much that you can do. So this is a fun little way, like think of it like you're on Chopped or a Food Network show and <laughs> you've kind of got to use what you have, right? <laughs> yeah, I love that. I mean, um, I do that sometimes. Um, like I'll have uh, like the end of the jam jar and then, you know, uh, my kids or my husband will be like putting it in the recycling. I'm like, no, 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 because I can put that on top of brie, even though it's just a little bit and maybe not enough for a piece of toast, but it's enough to sort of make like zhuzh that piece of cheese that uh, I, you know, someone may go out and actually buy like some expensive jam. But I, 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 I'm i with you with uh, really trying to use what we have and uh, shop the pantry. That's that's the best advice anyone can get because there's always stuff in there that if you just take some time, you can repurpose or, you know, make into something that's that's beautiful. Um, there are things that are really expensive, red meat being one of them right now. I can't believe the price of red meat. Uh, this year, uh, Taylor, you'll be, maybe you'll be happy to hear. We usually have roast beef uh, on Christmas, but I'm switching it this year to fish because it's just so expensive to buy a huge prime rib at, at, at the holidays. Are there items that you're finding that are just really expensive that we typically buy uh, during this time? Um, well, I think that we try to find things that are out of season right now because we have it set in our minds that you have to have your holiday dinner a certain way, right? You go based off of tradition and it's like, 
you know, we're, we're used to having cauliflower as a side dish every single year. And you're not factoring in that maybe a head of cauliflower is $7 and you know, that's going to add up. So I would say things that are out of season or, you know, there's a shortage of at the store you want to avoid frozen vegetables have become more expensive. I was doing a little research before this call and they have jumped up the most in terms of inflation. So they're not normally that, you know, I know a lot of families, mine included, rely on those uh, frozen veggie packs like corn and the mixed carrots, peas and corn. And those are not as budget friendly as they used to be. Pasta and pasta sauces are more expensive and condiments are out of control. So soy sauce, mayo, oils. Uh, yeah, that, those are those have doubled in price. It's crazy. Like I'm finding mayo for eight dollars these days when it used to be four just a couple years ago. So. The sticker shock um, is real at the grocery store because oftentimes, like you were saying, well, because of traditions, we buy typical things at this time that we don't buy any other time of year. And you know, you go back to it, you're like, wow, the price has really gone up since last year because you have that that clear comparison of when what you paid for it last year to this year. It's not something you've been buying on the regular and you may forget you know, how much it was just a year ago. Uh, so I'm finding that that sticker shock over and, and over again. Um, are they in, in, in in your work, you know, you're, you're you're helping people meal prep. You're helping people save money and not have too much food waste. Are there dishes that cost less but are still festive? Because I think we can often get away with doing cheap and cheerful stuff during the week with our family. But during the holidays, you want something that's special, that's a little bit out of the ordinary to sort of celebrate the fact that it's the holidays. Yes, absolutely. There are so many things, actually, uh, those traditional dishes that you can still make. So one thing that my family and I love to do, and this is a recipe from my blog, is a French toast casserole with frozen berries. You're using frozen berries because those are cheaper than the fresh ones right now. And bread, I think, has stayed relatively uh, reasonable. And it's really just bread and berries and a little bit of butter and maple syrup. So that feeds a crowd. You can do uh, potatoes. Those are always reasonable. Mashed potatoes, especially because you don't need to go out and buy different types of cheese like you would for scalloped. Uh, stuffing is always cheap to make and you can freeze that for later. So you can pull it out, you know, for Easter or another big family gathering. Seasonal vegetables like Brussels sprouts and carrots, uh, focus on those. And um, I mentioned earlier that turkey even can be fairly inexpensive, too, if you can time it right when there's a sale. I always like buying turkey slightly after um, another holiday like Thanksgiving because the grocery stores want to get rid of them and then you can freeze it if you have the space. Or you can even think outside the box and try making a homemade lasagna because even though pasta and pasta sauce is a little bit pricier than usual, if you're... Um, keeping in mind the number of servings you're getting out of it, it's actually a pretty good bang for your buck and it's still kind of special. We're speaking to Taylor Stinson. She runs the blog, The Girl on Bloor. Uh, Taylor, you deal with food every day. What are your concerns when you look at these prices? And like I said, sticker shock every time you go to the grocery store. Uh, what, are, what are some of the things that you're most concerned about when it comes to the price of food? I'm honestly concerned for people's health and access to food, right? Uh, we're realizing more than ever what a privilege it is to be able to feed yourself nourishing healthy foods. And when healthy lean proteins and fresh produce just keeps going up and up, um, even those staple condiments that you use in everyday recipes, it's just getting harder and harder to uh, nourish ourselves and to show up in life and, uh, you know, really live up to your full potential. And a lot of people are choosing between housing and feeding themselves and that's just not right. So uh, 
it's it's really tough right now. Yeah, it is. And I often see, you know, and this is this has been typical for decades that uh, when you can't afford the fresh food, you go towards the processed food and that's cheaper feeds, you know, it, you get more value out of it. More people can be fed with, you know, a, a boxed food than buying a bunch of fr fresh vegetables uh, and and uh, and fruit. But then there's the health consequences of always eating food that's uh, that's pre-prepared and, and, and all the things that come with that. Um, that always breaks my heart to think that, you know, there just isn't more fresh food available because that's what, like you said, we show up at our best when we are when we are well nourished. Um, for the holidays you've been mentioning, Taylor, um, some of the things that you'll be doing, uh, uh, some meals that you'll be preparing. Can you can you give us a glimpse into what uh, uh, a big holiday meal looks like in your home? Uh, yes. So we've over the years, my parents have hosted uh, for many years, and it's, it's been really fun. And now my cousin is taking on that role. So uh, this year, we're actually dividing dishes up so that it's less overwhelming for her and hopefully a little bit less uh, cost wise. It takes some of that stress away. So this year, my brother and I are each taking on an appetizer and a mocktail. And my cousin is taking care of the potatoes and the sides. And then my brother actually ends up getting a turkey from his work. So my mom is going to prepare that and the stuffing. So we're all kind of taking turns and divvying up the responsibilities. I'm going to make my famous mushrooms Neptune from my blog. Uh, it's a, a copycat of the keg. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that restaurant. Yeah, um, of course. <laughs> yeah. So that, that might be the priciest dish. I might be going against my own advice there and splurging on that, <laughs> but I'm going to try to use my points and see if that helps buying the shrimp and crab. Yeah. Yeah. Mushrooms can be really expensive because they're so light. You don't think that it's going to add up to much. And then you look and you're like, wow, this little bag costs $11, $12. Uh, it, it, you can, you really go home and you're like, I need to eat every single one of these mushrooms because uh, I, I know how much they cost. I think sometimes when you do spend yeah. a little bit more money, uh, you're mindful of the fact that you have and you, you don't waste any of it. So in, in the end, it might work out to be okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're definitely more appreciative. And I mean, it helps when you only have to make that one dish too. Absolutely. Taylor, thank you so much. Uh, this has been so interesting, all the th ways that you save money and how you can still put fabulous food on the table um, and not break your budget. I love that hack of gathering your points all year round and sort of using them during the holidays. That's good for gifts as well, too, where people just forget they have these reward cards, they shop normally, and then in December they look to see how much they've got, and then they use that to pay for not just food, but also for gifts, because many of these stores, you can buy pretty awesome gifts as well. So I think that's a that's a really good, uh, a really good hack for someone who wants to start doing that in January for Christmas 2024. Yes, yes, exactly. I'm glad it's helpful. Thanks, Taylor. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a happy holiday and uh, great 2024. Thank you. You as well. That's Taylor Stinson. She runs the blog, That Girl on Bloor. Her focus is to help Canadians make quick meals on a budget that are still nutritious and delicious and beautiful. Have you heard this new term, unretirement? It's a new reality for many workers going into 2024. And trust me, it's not all that bad. We will get all the details after the break. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. <laughs> You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. Hybrid work, remote work, hot desking, the way we work has changed dramatically. This new reality has also shifted how we view retirement. 
To talk about this and more, we are joined by Wayne Berger. He is the CEO of IWG. IWG is a global flexible co-working space company. Hi, Wayne. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Rabina. Thanks for having me. So your company, IWG, published a paper on what your forecasting work is going to look like in 2024. What are some of the highlights out of that? I think a few things, Rabina. I mean, first of all, I think if you look at the landscape of work and the workforce of the last four years, it's been extraordinarily dynamic. And I think 2024 will be the most transformative year in business. Few trends really come to my mind. We're seeing 10 significant trends in work and workplace but a few pop up. First one being that hybrid work. By the end of 2024, hybrid work will really just gradually become known as work. We're seeing large businesses like Meta, for example, hire a new role called the chief hybrid officer to oversee and balance the needs of, of in-office and hybrid employees. We're seeing a focus in which flexibility within organizations in how, when, and where people are choosing to work has become the complete norm. And companies are now starting to you know, move away from this idea of, 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 of what work in place means and an idea of when people will be coming back to an office, let's say, and more so focusing on optimizing culture and productivity and also navigating the, the logistical realities of, of a hybrid workforce. So, so hybrid, work is really now just becoming work. And there's this real interesting element where space is becoming more ubiquitous these days with workers. Um, that's a major trend. Now, what we're also seeing, I think one of the biggest trends is there's big changes in the workforce coming. 2024 could be the year that the Gen Z generation overtakes baby boomers in the workforce. Now, what's interesting about that, Rabina, is We've been talking about the impact of millennials in the workforce really for the last 10 years. And millennials have been really sculpting out because of the nature and size of this generation. They're having a transformative impact on workplace, workforce, culture, and, and what's required of companies these days. But now we're seeing the Gen Zs start to enter the workforce. And Gen Zs have very different expectations around work. They value working for employers who have a demonstrated social conscious and impact. They value flexibility and they value upper mobility. As a matter of fact, they value flexibility to such a degree that, that they will choose flexibility that helps enable a healthy work-life balance over job security each day of the week. And, and what's interesting within that is they deeply value in-person interaction as well. But that doesn't mean it's from an office. Matter of fact, over half of Gen Zs prefer working in public spaces like coffee shops or co-working facilities where they can access it very closely from home or from wherever they need to be that day. And they can meet and engage while, while having this opportunity to be able to maintain flexibility. So those are two real significant trends that we're seeing amongst the 10. Yeah, the pandemic really pushed uh, the idea of work from home into a, the normal way of working, whereas I think work from home before the pandemic was considered sort of an excuse to just stay at home and not work. Whereas mm -hmm. I, that, 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 that stigma definitely has been removed and companies can rethink uh, about so many ways that they want to manage their workforce. It's easy to have a culture when you're all meeting in the same place. And if there is 
problems. You deal with them, you know, on, on a case by case basis. Uh, but when your employees are all over the country, maybe even all over the world, how do you how do you uh, build a culture in a, in a company, which is so important for a company's success? Well, what's interesting, I think what we're seeing is the most progressive companies that have adopted and embraced flexibility are finding ways to build great culture. And what they're realizing is culture isn't established within four walls. Um, what we're seeing from great leaders who are establishing culture in these in these more virtual type of situations now um, is one, they are they're communicating vision and mission and helping each one of their employees understand the critical role they play in the overall company mission. That's a core, core piece because when people understand the value they play and then understand the level of empowerment and responsibility required of them to be able to achieve it, it creates a really powerful engine for employees and employers. So part of this is actually ensuring what we're seeing is leaders are becoming more communicative amongst their employers. The other element we're seeing is um, is great companies and great leaders are communicating expectations and helping and helping share what each person needs to do in order to achieve those goals. So when you have very clear communication around accountabilities and responsibilities, that's powerful. And then in addition to that, listening to employees, acknowledging needs, empathizing when necessary, supporting their teams throughout um, throughout throughout their various needs really creates a really powerful culture and then taking the time to recognize great success and great performance. Now, each one of those elements would, would have traditionally happened prior to the pandemic, perhaps in a corporate office within a great organization who really valued those values. What we're seeing now as companies become more geographically disparate, hiring and maintaining a, 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 a team or an organization outside of just one city is those same actions, those same priorities, those same values are helping build great culture. And I'll give you a great example. The team I manage spans across multiple countries, if not multiple cities. And we connect sometimes daily uh, via different virtual tools like Teams or Zoom. And we're able to maintain a great culture because, because we work really hard at supporting our team members, recognizing great success, helping people understand exactly what they should be achieving and helping coach them to improve. By doing those fundamentals, it doesn't need to necessarily be in four walls. And, and that has really started to shift from an environment perspective. For uh, many Canadians that are living longer, they want to stay in the workforce longer, but uh, the, the, the nine to five uh, grind is what sort of uh, makes us think about retirement, not necessarily the fact that we don't have more value to give uh, in, in the workplace. Uh, it, uh, hybrid has really changed the game where a lot of older workers can stay in their job longer if they wish to. Can you talk to me about this term unretirement? Uh, what, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, I think this is an extraordinary trend that we're seeing. It's happening right now, and it's become more and more the, the, the norm in 2024. So unretirement is essentially, um, it's, it's, we're seeing a growth of, of individuals, employees who have either recently retired or, or at the later stage of their career, looking to essentially unretire, stay within the workforce, within the career that they've invested decades in at times to help continue to provide great success for the company they work for and, and then also obviously continue on in their career and i'll share with you a couple of facts bain and company 
um, has recently released a, a report that stated that by 2030, around 150 million global jobs will shift to workers age 55 and, and over. This indicates this growing trend of older professionals embracing work. And the reason why is because hybrid or flexible working is helping them achieve the goals they wanted to achieve from retirement, but also continue to work with, within the skills um, in the organizations they worked for in the past um, and, and be able to kind of balance both worlds. So flexibility being offered by hybrid work gives them the ability who are previously retired or near retirement to continue to rejoin that workforce, share their wisdom, share their best practices, share their skills, share their experiences, but actually still maintain flexibility to be able to to be able to invest the time into the areas they wanted to enjoy when that when that retirement age was coming. So I think it's very powerful for employees and employers because we're we're still facing a significant gap in um in uh, in the workforce with employment. Right? We're seeing sorry, go ahead. Yeah, we're, I was going to say, Wayne, um, you know, hybrid work obviously is uh, something that you welcome uh, as IWG is a co-working space where people can work from anywhere and, uh, you know, the job can be anywhere in the world and they, they have a, a space that they can be working at. But a lot of banks are calling people back, calling their employees back, Some in some cases, four days a week, which is pretty much back to full time. Um, where do you see the future of hybrid? Do, do you see... Um, it's staying at this level, or or, or do you see us uh, see companies uh, wanting their employees to come back into that traditional office environment? I I believe the future is completely flexible. The reality is, eighty eight percent of companies have established a flexible working policy for their employees. Companies are looking to retain, hire, attract employees outside of the just the traditional um, the traditional city that they've operated in the past. Vacancy rates in office in, in the office space world and commercial real estate are at record levels in Canada, and they're not looking to retreat anytime soon because companies are recognizing that the workforce is becoming more dynamic, more flexible. If they want to attract and retain great employees, flexibility is the number one benefit that employees seek out when they either stay with the company or they or they choose to join a different company. And by 2028, 75% of the workforce will be millennial or Gen Z, two generations that have never lived in an analog world and that will refuse to create an environmental impact by traveling long commutes um, back and forth to one centric office. They value flexibility, they value social consciousness and, and technology has become such an enabler that we're able to do our jobs in a flexible way. Now, does that mean people don't want to gather? Absolutely not. Only 11% of Canadians want to work from home full-time. It's very isolating. What people are looking for is choice and optionality, and the cost of real estate has become an anchor for organizations, especially during unpredictable times with high interest rates. So companies are shedding their real estate portfolio and bringing people together when it's of value and when it's purposeful. And this is why we've continued to see a growing trend towards flexibility. And I believe that the future will really hold in which most people will work in a very flexible way and come back together in a physical space when it when it makes sense and it's of value for the employer and the employee. 
Wayne, thank you so much for joining us today, talking to us about your forecast for 2024. I think it's definitely going to be a trend-setting year because up until now, things have still been quite un, uh, uneasy because of the pandemic, but this is the first year where we're going into it uh, without any threat of shutdowns or anything else happening where we really are going to see what work in this new normal will look like. Thank you, Rabina. That was Wayne Berger, CEO of IWG, a co-working space company. When we come back, I'm going to tell you some things that you need to do when it comes to your auto payments in 2024 that will save you money. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, you're listening to For What It's Worth with Robina ahmed Hawk. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. However you are celebrating this weekend, I hope you are getting to spend some time with your family and the ones you hold dearest. Uh, this is always a weekend where the whole world seems to slow down. The, the weekend before... Uh, Christmas Eve, before New Year's Eve. This is the week where we forget what day it is, right? You'll wake up and you'll think, is it Tuesday? Is it Sunday? Is it Wednesday? What's the date today? Because most of us are sort of in this uh, mode where we're going from party to party or people are coming over or we're just watching a lot of TV on the couch, a lot of Netflix on the couch. Um, and it's such a beautiful way to spend the holidays. Uh, no matter what you do, I hope that you get to do what makes you most happy. Um, as we look ahead to 2024, some things that will make you happy is your financial wellness. And, you know, I know this is not the weekend to talk about how your credit card bills and everything else that are coming due um, are going to affect us, but I still think it's good to keep top of mind some things that we should do proactively in the new year. And you don't have to do it right now. You can take care of it in the new year, but just something to put in the back of your mind uh, and to take care of once uh, 2024 has arrived. Um, this is auto payments. And so many of us have a lot of our bills on auto pay. So the money comes automatically off our credit card or automatically out of our bank account. I know that most of my utilities are like that because I don't want to get uh, behind on any of those payments. Some things I do proactively still pay, uh, but those are ones that I just it automatically comes out. And I am just as guilty as everybody else as not always checking my gas bill, my hydro bill, my water bill to see what my usage is like. I only really ever notice uh, when I see that that billing is, you know, all of a sudden a lot of money has come out of my account that I didn't expect. And I go back and I look at that bill and say, geez, compared to this time last year, I was spending a lot less what happened? Uh, part of that could be the cost of that um, that utility has just gone up. So the cost of gas, for example, has gone up and we're just paying more. Um, or it could be because you are wasting more energy than you need to or because there's a leak in your home and you need to make your home more energy efficient. So that's why it's really important that if you have bills on auto pay to really pay attention to them, even though they are automatically being deducted out of your account or being charged to your credit card. Here are some things that I think that you could take off auto pay in 2024 that would save you money and make you more of a mindful shopper, uh, your credit card. So if you do have anything automatically that comes onto your credit card, maybe think about switching that so that you are actually charging your card so that you know exactly what that bill is. So you don't get that surprise bill um, one month because some big expense was charged on it because you've got it on auto charge. Um, all the subscriptions you have on your phone, on your TV, on your tablet, we often press okay. And I'm 
also someone has done this for the free sign up, the seven 14 day sign up, and then we forget to unsubscribe. And then all of a sudden it's charging you every month. And it's a small amount could be, you know, as little as one ninety nine or something. Uh, but it's money that you are spending on something that you're not using. So do an audit, see all the subscription services you have. It's really easy to do on many phones anyways. They can list all the subscriptions you are paying for and the ones that you are not using, uh, take them off your phone. And in fact, if you can, just uh, pay them month to month because that will keep you up to date on what is actually uh, being used in your home and what is actually what value you're getting out of those subscription services. Your cell phone bill is a big one. I have my cell phone bill charged to my credit card and I have in months prior sometimes missed a big charge that I didn't realize that happened for, I'll give you an example. I was flying to Vancouver and from Toronto. And, uh, when we, when you fly to Toronto to Vancouver, you do fly over the United States. Now my phone, I didn't put on air airplane mode. And when I was in the U S airspace, it actually connected me to their cell phone service. And so I was charged 25 bucks for being in their airspace because they thought I was using um, their their cell phone service. Even though I didn't make a call or use any of the data, it automatically charged me that 25 bucks. Well, at least my company did for, for roaming. And so when I saw that, if I, ha- if I hadn't called them, they would never have taken it off my bill. So I saw it, I called them, let them know what happened. They took it off the bill. But you can imagine that those kind of things can go on. Uh, unnoticed because, you know, you may not, if you're, especially if you've got your phone bundled with all the other things, you may not notice 25 bucks extra on your cell phone. So take your cell phone off auto pay. Utility bills, even though I have many of mine on auto pay, if you find that you're using utilities, especially gas, water, things that you have some control over, hydro, well, we have control over all our utilities, really. Um, definitely, you know, take a look at maybe if you could just pay them as the bills arrive and that gives you the opportunity to look at your bill. Um, you know, sometimes we have annual subscriptions that we sign up for. So for this year, for example, I have bought uh, a subscription to Masterclass. This is not an ad for Masterclass in any way, but uh, I just wanted to get that subscription. They had a great deal. I bought it on Black Friday and um, I'm going to have that year for a year. But I've already gone in and proactively taken it off auto renew because I don't think I'll need it for more than a year. It's not really something that I need ongoing. I'm going to use it as much as I can this year, get as much out of it. And then if I want it again, I will renew, but I want to have control over it. So that's another thing. Annual subscriptions that we sign up for, uh, you know, be it uh, Costco, be it, like I said, Masterclass or any other annual gym membership. Some of them do charge not just every month, but there's a membership fee every year. Uh, take those off auto so that you can sort of have, have control over when they uh, come out. Um, and, you know, and the list goes on, but really anything that you have on auto pay, Ask yourself, would it be too much effort to just pay it out of pocket? And would I get something out of it if I just took a look at that bill uh, when it was when it was due and just did a scan? Oh, I could just be a bit more mindful about how much utilities I'm using. I don't really need that subscription anymore. I should cancel this membership. That kind of conversation that you can have with yourself, which you never will if it's just coming automatically out of your bank account or uh, charged to your credit card. Thank you so much to all of you who uh, tuned in today. I really enjoyed my conversation with Wayne. Wayne Berger is a regular uh, in my life, really, because I've interviewed him so many times about work and personal finance, but really getting his forecast uh, for 2024. Now, he is the CEO of a co-working space, so he is going to have that 
that slant <laughs> that that we know we are mostly moving towards hybrid. But I don't think he's wrong. I, I don't think he's wrong in thinking that you know hybrid is here to stay, and we need to find cool and interesting ways to work. And companies need to find innovative ways to keep us interested in company and company culture. Otherwise, that's going to fall apart. Um, also. Christmas is an expensive time of year. Food makes a huge chunk of my budget. Um, I really like to present the nicest meal possible on Christmas Day. And if that's what you like to do, it can cost you quite a lot. And uh, Taylor had some great tips on how we can save money. I think, you know, the, the stuff that we forget about is really going to help us. Do it potluck, shop early. I loved how she was like, save all your loyalty points so that you can use them next Christmas. So maybe some things you can do proactively to save for Christmas 2024. Uh, but whatever you can do to take some pressure off and uh, release some of that financial burden is going to make for a much better holiday. I want to say Merry Christmas to all of you. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful time over the next few days celebrating with your family. If you don't celebrate, I hope you have a wonderful time with your family celebrating in any way that you do. I will see you here next week, same time, same channel. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth.